Hello, funky listeners, and we're coming to you live, not really live, uh, in surround sound today on Funk Radio. Well, so this is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. And really, whether they're listening on surround sound depends on their setup, I would think. Because if you're listening to this on a, like a hit clips mono earbud, (laughs) um, that would be a false statement, and we don't want to... We don't want to be fake news listeners. This is true. Hopefully you're listening to us on more than one mono earbud because <sighs> that means you're in like 1998 and I don't know how we're reaching you. <laughs> Today we're actually going to talk about, it's another history of podcast with Funk Radio because we've been doing a lot of those lately where we dive Yay. into the history of things. Yay. And the technology of things, I guess. Yeah. Because we like tech shits. True. So this episode, we're diving into the history uh, and tech of surround sound audio, which is a lot more complicated than I gave it credit for, Mm. because surround sound in some form is basically, at least, you know, in the home theater sense, has been around almost as long as I've been alive. So I always just kind of assumed it was a thing, but... I guess it wasn't always a thing. Um, so now I suppose uh, uh, another. I think didn't we do an episode that was like explaining stereo versus mono? We did. Um, so um, this is kind of that topic on steroids. Yeah, explaining surround versus stereo. Uh, very good point. That's a good way of putting it. So I guess just to kind of introduce the topic for people that don't know what surround sound is. Uh, or maybe they've heard the term but don't know really what it means. Surround sound is a technique that allows the listener to have sort of the the fidelity and depth of the sound that they're listening to uh, enhanced by using multiple different sound channels from speakers that surround the listener. Listeners like you. In order to give it more of a sort of three-dimensional feel. Yeah. You know, like, because, like, like if you snap your fingers behind you, your brain knows that it's behind you as opposed to snapping your fingers to like the side of you or in front of you. Right. And in that same sense, by setting up speakers around you and playing sounds from those different speakers, yeah. it creates a sense of space when you're, say, watching a movie. Um, I'm cu- I mean, I realize that we won't have time to get into it in this episode because you have a lot already, but... I'm in the same vein. I'm curious how our brains work in terms of like spatial awareness of sound and all that. That could be another episode for a future date. Hmm. The history of how our brains hear sound. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be kind of interesting though, because I've like, I've I mean, it's it's pretty obvious to anyone that you know your ear is able to distinguish sound, you know, in almost a three sixty or at least. 180 on each side right. realm but i've never really understood how it did that so maybe that would be kind of a fun episode anatomy with uh with funk radio that's just a disaster waiting to happen oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay uh so, so yeah anyway basically stereo or uh god Sur- surround sound simulates three-dimensional sound basically yeah and the the way that it normally works, or at least um, it's intended to work, is surround sound 
has the listener in like a central location or what's called a sweet spot wherein the the sound coming from the multiple speakers is kind of equidistant to them to create a almost circular effect um that makes whereas sense if you're if you're too far to one side or another side it might distort the the perception of the sounds because you're not you know in the central location to best receive all all audio at the same time i guess yeah and i guess if you're in like a movie theater they kind of have a generalized yeah sweet spot area because it has to kind of make sense for anybody who's anywhere yeah exactly that's why i always get super bummed when i have to sit on like the far side of one of the of a theater because i always just feel in my head like i feel like i'm not getting the best viewing angle or listening angle you're not in that sweet spot kyle so that's kind of the basics of it but like, how does that different from, say, stereo recordings, like you mentioned earlier? Hmm. Well, with two-channel recordings, um, speakers are basically played on either side of a listener, a left and a right, whether that be headphones or two speakers in a theater setup or fo- your phone or whatever. Um, and that's usually used for, obviously, television and FM, you know, radio broadcasts and whatnot. Well... Surround sound recording. I didn't know radio this. was in stereo too. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, radio's been in stereo forever. I thought we I thought we mentioned that in our mono we might have. stereo. That episode. was a while back though. Oh, so I'm assuming the AM is probably in mono then. I think uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think AM uh, is mono and FM is stereo, but that's why FM mostly does music, whereas AM is all talk. Interesting. Um uh, okay. fun facts. Um, so surround sound kind of takes that, that two channel left and right set up a bit further by adding more channels, um, that the sound comes from in, in three or more directions. And while the term surround sound actually refers to a specific multi-channel system developed by Dolby, Hmm. um, Dolby laboratories, they are basically like the godfathers of speaker surround sound speakers. It's more of a generic term for sort of home or theater multi-channel sound setups hmm. um, in in general, not just one specifically made by Adobe. It, it's kind of like how we say Kleenex, even though, you know, not all tissues are Kleenex, we just right. say Kleenex. So it's like a, it's basically become like a household name or exactly. whatever. There's probably some term so, for that where it, like it becomes a generic term. Exactly. It's huh. become so ubiquitous uh, with the with the idea of multi-channel uh, audio that even though Adobe invented it, huh. everyone uses it. So basically, yeah, surround sound has been around for a while. Um, most today, most theaters use what's called digital surround sound systems, but before digital, there actually was analog surround sound recordings, which were in some ways kind of inferior to current digital recordings because the way that the audio was recorded in analog didn't allow for the storing of as much information. Hmm. So yeah, surround sound has exploded since the explosion of digital audio, but it has definitely been around since long before that, Um, which we'll find out in a second. After these messages. Yes. We don't have any messages, so we'll just keep going. Damn. We need to get sponsors. I want money. (laughs) <laughs> just insert commercial here pay me money <laughs> so the concept of surround sound has actually got goes all the way back to the 1930s um hmm. 
and the I mean, audio engineers back then were doing experiments with it, but the technology actually kind of came into fruition um, in 1940 when our favorite totalitarian dictator, Walt Disney, <laughs> <laughs> um, released his revolutionary film, Fantasia. Um, do you ever see Fantasia, by the way, Peter? Like the original one? I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I've I don't se- really remember much of it, but I, um, I'm pretty positive I've seen it. I was going to say, like, I don't think I've ever watched it in, in its entirety, but I think I've seen, like, every... Because it's, it's Fantasia, for those of you that haven't seen it, I guess. it's uh, Which it's, might include us. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's a series of different um, animated shorts that Disney put together, intricately woven to music, to a music soundtrack, and... I think it's mostly, if not entirely, like just music. There's no dialogue. Right. So that was like so that was an early case then of or perhaps the first like major use of surround sound. Yeah, or, so the weirdness about this is the way the reason that Disney kind of wanted to use surround sound, or I guess they probably didn't call it surround sound back then, wanted to use this new um sound development was that when he was making Fantasia he was inspired by um, the orchestral piece Flight of the Bumblebee by, oh. I'm going to butcher this guy's name, by Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov. That's as good as I would have done. <laughs> yeah. And so I do I do remember in Fantasia there was that there was a, a segment that, I, that literally is Flight of the Bumblebee and it's like a little bumblebee flying around being attacked by like musical notes and shit. <laughs> Disney's logic with using this rudimentary surround sound was he wanted the audio system to immerse the audience so much that they felt like a bumblebee was like buzzing around them in the theater if that makes sense it does it sounds distracting or perhaps worrying as a listener but i know right it's like oh god i'm allergic um so basically disney tasked his uh sound engineers very forcefully uh, with the development uh, of an audio system that would actually immerse them in the same way that he felt the visuals were immersing them of the animation or whatever. Um, this is pretty um, forward thinking for the time because, I mean, how many years at this point had sound itself been in movies? I mean, maybe, maybe a, de- a decade, a little more than 10, a decade. 12 years or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, he had this grand idea for Fantasia's audio, and the result of that was this thing that they ended up calling Fantasound. This Fantasound that they developed was actually the first um, real application of surround sound in any sort of commercial space. Huh. But unfortunately, because Disney, you know, basically said, do this shit, money be damned, I'm Walt Disney... As he uh, was known to say. <laughs> money be damned, I'm Walt Disney this fantasound that they developed was basically too expensive and too complex to actually implement on a Mm. wide scale in theaters. Um, In the end, only the Broadway theater in New York and the circle theater in Los Angeles were actually outfitted with the 54 speakers that were required for fantasound. Oh, wow. So, Oh, but that's not necessarily the number of, audio channels that's just the number of speakers that they use exactly yeah Interesting. I, I don't i didn't look up exactly how their system worked but i i want to say it basically 
didn't like it had so many speakers but sound wasn't coming out of all the speakers at the same time it was i see okay yeah surround sound didn't really get implemented in any meaningful way until around 1975 so basically from 1940 to 75 disney had developed surround sound but everyone's just like that shit's too expensive (laughs) (laughs) uh and then he died um when he sought the bill (laughs) um but the the technology of surround sound actually kind of exploded back onto the scene with the release of dolby stereo made by dolby laboratories who we talked about earlier so yeah dolby stereo um which was at the time a game-changing sound format that delivered audio through four channels um as opposed to the normal two of stereo. There's there was the traditional left and right stereo channels, a front facing center speaker, and a what's called a surround channel for speakers that are in the rear of the theater. So it okay, basically So it's basically like left, right, front, left, and back. Exactly. Left, right, center, and back. Um huh. it was first used in films like the original Star Wars and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So it was really embraced by filmmakers in the 70s like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas to enhance the this theater-going experience, I guess. When you think about the big movies of that era, too, like when seeing movies, especially in the theater, you know, was kind of becoming this big experience again yeah yeah um, exactly i mean so i think that the surround the dolby stereo just adding to that exactly incredible. yeah the 70s was kind of the, the mid 70s was kind of the birth of that sort of blockbuster kind of summer movie or huge movie boom mm. like star wars and jaws and all that stuff so yeah dolby invented this in 75 but they called it dolby stereo even though it was a four channel system True surround sound actually didn't come around until about seven years later, in 1982, with the uh, introduction of Dolby Surround technology. This technology is a little bit different in in that it consisted of three channels, a left, a right, and a surround channel. This uh, allowed for the recreation of the same immersion that Dolby Stereo had, but in someone's living room, as opposed to a movie theater. So, so it was like a consumer version, basically, of exactly, the same technology. Exactly. By taking it down from four channels to three and using that third channel as sort of a surround rear channel system, uh-huh. it may, uh, allowed people to kind of set up these systems in their home as opposed to just in theaters. Um, and yeah, I mean, the 80s was like a huge boom for like, I guess what you would call home entertainment systems. You know, that's right. when like huge big screen TVs and fancy speaker systems all started popping up. Right. So, so yeah, I guess anything that you're, you, I mean, like you can have the system, but like you would need, you know, music that is encoded in such a way that takes advantage of that though. Exactly. Yeah. Um, movies or music or what have you that, um, takes advantage of that Dolby surround technology. Uh, as I was saying earlier on in the episode, um, all of this was, done at a time when sound was still recorded in analog but cinema sound actually started to make the conversion to digital in 1992 10 years later after this dolby surround technology premiered with the introduction of dolby (laughs) dolby digital surround sound this digital system still encodes the audio information uh on the film's optical tracks or the the what do you call it the audio track that it's recording to but 
um, on a digital format, obviously, instead of analog. And because of this, Dolby Digital was actually able to introduce more channels into what was called a 5.1 configuration. So we went from 4 to 3 to 5. And this 5.1 configuration consisted of a left front, center front, a right front, a left surround, a right surround. And the point one actually is for a separate low-frequency channel that's sent to a deep bass speaker, or what we now consider subwoofers. Um, so the way that basically works is the the all all five speakers can play you know the full frequency range what what is it like 20 to 20,000 hertz or something mm-hmm. but the point one configuration only plays sound within the low frequency of say 20 to 100 hertz mm-hmm. to kind of give an extra punch to like bassy deep sounds i guess which is good for a movie theater setting especially yeah. with some of those loud sounds and stuff like that exactly. that's cool so this was this was in the cinema then. This wasn't uh, at in the consumer level yet. It no, sounds like no, no, no. The, uh, yeah, this was first in cinema, but similar to um, the original Dolby Stereo, this five point one surround sound would eventually trickle its way down to the consumer level. Okay. Um, pretty much by like the early two thousands. So so yeah, this digital this digital five point one surround sound basically um, stayed the norm until fairly recently uh, when Dolby premiered its new technology called Dolby Atmos, which is a 7.1.4, I don't, yeah, 7.1, we'll, we'll call it, surround sound <laughs> that was developed in 2012. Mm. And it actually expands on the existing 5.1 system by adding what, what it calls height channels. Oh, interesting. It creates a system where sound has height so like if something you you know you feel like you you're hearing something above your head or below you or something so is that what the point four is maybe, maybe. <laughs> we're gonna say we're, we're gonna say yes yeah i i guess that kind of make makes sense that they would do that because um if you think of like about like a ring of speakers around you in a circle i mean that's really only on one axis exactly yeah even if you have a ring of speakers you're only kind of on what like the x and z axis or whatever so that's not true three-dimensional i suppose Mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah so yeah this was uh this was implemented back in 2012 um the first film to premiere to actually use that technology was um the pixar film brave um, the one with the Scottish people and shit. Oh, interesting. Since then, Dolby Atmos has exploded. Um, basically, since 2016, most electronic devices, including, say, your smartphone, have been um, enabled to work with Dolby Atmos recording and mixing. So it's pretty... It's it's It, it went from basically like huh. coming under the scene in 2012 to basically being ubiquitous now in 2020. So, so I assume that's not saying that smartphone speakers have that no, 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 as much as it has the hardware in it to yes, it record. Has, it has the hardware sense. in it to record in Dolby Atmos, so that you know if you mm-hmm. have a Dolby Atmos system and you're playing something that you've recorded on your phone, you in in say if you're editing it or something, you can control those yeah. different channels. That's um, weird. I know, right? It's pretty crazy. So that's pretty much the history of surround sound, basically from what 1940 to now. Basically, just think of it as you know, every time a surround sound 
increases in its capability pretty much it just adds speakers <laughs> uh yeah well I, yeah I, I mean the more speakers you add the more i guess the or channels I, more we, we accurately the them. more channels yeah yeah exactly as far as like how it's recorded it's a bit complex but mm. since it's moved to digital it's gotten a lot less so basically there are special microphones that you can use to record surround sound by picking up uh, a sound in multiple directions. Um, oh, interesting. Those microphones uh, are still fairly expensive, even nowadays. I think they're called like they're called like binaural microphones or something. Um, mm-hmm. So even though it's capable to record sound surround sound in that way, it's not often the standard way that it's done. Um, most movie surround sound tracks are actually created basically just in a mixing studio where sound editors and sound mixers will take uh, a bunch of different audio recordings, say the dialogue, sound effects, mm-hmm. um, you know, background music, what have you, and basically put it into a into a uh, sound editing program and basically decide what uh, what channels or what sound effects or whatever go to different channels. Um yeah, I mean, that's how I always kind of just assumed that it was done. It was kind of done in post, if you will. Um, exactly. Rather than recording it that way. But I can see the value in recording if you it have live. the right hardware to kind of record it that way. Because then you have a more... Um, True to life sort of... Yeah, that way you're not trying to recreate it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, for lack of a better term, most surround sound is just created during the sound editing process. They decide what channels the different sound effects go to based on, you know, their interpretation of where things are in a scene. And, right. I mean, that's that. It's basically up to the sound editor. Um, it's not based on any sort of real-life tangible thing. I wonder if there's any automated way to do that, or at least semi-automated. You know, like you attach a flag to... Uh, you know, a character on the screen or something and, you know, it tracks like, oh, they moved to the left, so we're going to turn up the volume on the left side and turn down the volume on the right side. I wouldn't I, be... Or I, or I wonder if it's all by hand. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of like... I don't know. I don't know algorithms what you call or it. Yeah, shit. like algorithms that help with that. Like, they know, like, okay, if the... If a character's talking on the right side of the screen, then, you know, they shift the audio slightly to the right or vice versa. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know. Con- conceptually, it's not hard to imagine how they would do that by hand. It just seems like a lot of work for how much different things are going on in a movie. True. 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 Um, So I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically the gist of like how the sort of recording and mixing part of it goes on. Um, Mm -hmm. basically, like I was saying before, the producer or sound producer of the film kind of decides what format they want the audio to be in, whether it's 5.1 surround sounds, 7.1, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Dolby Atmos being, you know, the, the hip new thing. Um, they'll sort of break it up into in a way that, like you said, is not only based on where the characters are in a scene, but, like, the emotional impact they want the sound to have. Uh, it's basically a, sort of an art form, you know. It's all, it's all up to the sound engineers and the sound editors. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool, I guess. But like you said, like you said, eventually it's probably going to get to a point where they're able to just record that three-dimensional sound in real time. Using like a 360 mic or something. Exactly. Yeah. Where they kind of take out the guesswork of, you know, like, should I put this on this channel or this channel? Blah, blah, blah. 
That's interesting. I think this is actually a good transition and something I was just going to comment on at the end of this. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized we didn't do any research to this point, but I think which which was actually the whole point of that stereo versus mono episode, which was like, can people really practically tell the difference? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious where the cutoff is with surround sound of like, if it's, you know, 5.1 versus, uh, you know, the whole 7.1.4, you know, with the height. Mm Mm-hmm variants and all that like i wonder how many people can tell the practical difference between those two i can't speak to all of them but i was at a best buy recently and they were showcasing the you know like when you go in that one fancy area of best buy that shows all the home theater stuff and you get to sit on the comfy couch yeah. um they were showcasing their adobe atmos uh setup and i could definitely tell a difference from say my shitty home mm. setup which is just you know the tv speakers right but like can i tell a difference between that and 5.1 i don't know i'd have to literally like side by side them which is kind of hard to do yeah yeah Um, i mean you you would have to run like an experiment and have those same setups in like the same environment and all that but so like obviously we don't know the answer to that but i'm just i'd be curious to know where we stop kind of differentiating the three-dimensional nature of that sound i guarantee there's somewhat of a diminishing return but um, I know that if you go look up on YouTube and type in like binaural audio, that's mm. audio that's recorded using those actual full 360 microphones that yeah. I guess can record the direction of whatever the object is to the microphone. And mm-hmm. like listening to some of that stuff, even like through regular headphone speakers, is pretty insane. And your brain tricks you into thinking that like something is like circling your head and it's kind of nuts. So Mm. I think our brains are pretty smart as far as that regard. And like, you know, the more speakers and the more channels you have, the more pinpoint accurate, you know, that our brains will tell us that the audio is coming from. Right. What I'm curious about, and I didn't research anything about this. I'm just, it's just kind of a hypothetical is how that concept of binaural audio or, or sort of, 360 recordings can be implemented into say vr technology so when you're in the world the sound can have just as much of a sort of 360 dimension to it as the visuals of you turning around and stuff like you know that reminds me of something i saw i think it was at maybe the adobe conference a year or two ago mm -hmm. um that they were basically showing off no i sorry i didn't go but i was watching like oh because they always have all these videos about it oh yeah 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 and they basically were showing off like, you know, advances in VR, which now includes three dimensional audio or sound sources or whatever. So like if mm-hmm. you're turning your head, you know, something, the sound of it will uh, correlate to that basically. So like if you're looking at a, a duck quacking on the ground and you've turned away from it, it'll be behind you. Oh, that's sound wise or, you know, for example. So yeah. I think there is some work being done on that. I haven't really heard of that being, a thing in general like because i know like obviously gaming is a big Mm -hmm. use of vr right now but i don't know if it's quite there yet on that level yeah i don't know um i've actually been curious i've been looking into vr now that i've built a new computer that can run vr i kind of wanted to play around with the idea of it or at least just try it out you know is regular reality not good enough for you kyle you have to make your own world i'm bored with this reality i'm gonna make my own 
Um, but yeah, I mean, surround sound, it's been, it's been a thing since the forties. Um, obviously it's in pretty much every theater now. Um, I'm sure a lot of you listeners at home probably have your own surround sound systems, whether they be the original 5.1 or maybe you have the new Dolby Atmos. Um, but they definitely make music listening and movie watching a lot more enjoyable, um, and probably annoy the hell out of your neighbors, um, with all that bassy bass. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't know. This was a cool thing to look into. I didn't really know 100% how it worked, so mm-hmm. I, now I know, like, 50% how it works. <laughs> well, I'm curious, too, like, what the future holds for it, too, because it seems like it's only, you know, it just keeps developing, mm-hmm. uh, especially, you know, even in the last 10, 20 years. Exactly, so. exactly. Um, well, if you listeners want to hear us, in surround sound you can invite us over to your house and we'll run around you in circles screaming if you don't want to do that tell us on facebook at facebook.com slash get your funk uh if you want to listen to other episodes that we've done including um the stereo versus mono one which was pretty good um kind of a more basic version of this essentially um go to getyourfunk.com and we have every episode we've ever done and you could play one on your left side. You can play one on your right side. You can play one on the front, the back, and be surrounded in 360 by funk radio. By me. By Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't creepy at all. Um, so, yeah, this has uh, been your 360 host, Kyle. And this has been your uh, point one low frequency range Peter <laughs> Peter drop the bass that was almost a sentence um, join us next time as we talk about something else listeners bye we love you 